It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is singer-songwriter Mark O'Toole, who will be performing his Singing with the Big Band show at the South Point Casino this Friday and Saturday, August 12th and 13th at 7.30. For ticket information, go to southpointcasino.com. And for everything about Mark O'Toole, go to markotoolevegas.com. And you can follow him on Facebook and YouTube. And Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Aura. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> or whatever it is. People don't, they'll hear it at all times of the day. It'll work <laughs> okay. out fine. When did you decide to come to Las Vegas and why? Well, I was, uh, I was 27 when I had the opportunity to go to, from Boston to Los Angeles. A gentleman by the name of Jay Thomas, who was syndicated in radio, who was a very big in the radio industry as well as being an actor, heard me do character voices. He invited me to be a producer of his show and LA and I moved from Boston to LA and then I did my stay there with my acting and my singing and I wanted to pursue it a little further so I moved to uh, Las Vegas and uh, doing so when I was in Los Angeles a good friend of mine Beth Hart won Star Search back in 1993 and now Beth is quite a national star and I tried out and never heard from them and then in 94, I did get a phone call, and that phone call changed my life. So being on Star Search and having the appearances that I did gave me the recognition in Las Vegas to maintain my my job, my occupation for the last 30 years. I'm forever grateful here. It's know? interesting how shows like Star Search at that time and, and current shows today, people look at it, and maybe one out of 100 that are on those shows go on and professionally develop and become regular performers. And you are one of them. So it's easy to make fun of those kinds of shows, but clearly there's a lot of people that were on those shows, both then and now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great channel for people who are looking. Um, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of kids that watch those shows, The Voice or America's Got Talent, and they think that that's an easy way to start them. And in fact, you know, it's not. You have to maintain that. And I've been blessed and fortunate enough to have a an incredible cult fan base here in Las Vegas for 30 years. But that's because I continue to work effortlessly to maintain that and respect the audience in, in giving them everything they want to every show they come to. So I think that's really important. I, I don't skate by. You know, I work hard at what I do. And I, for me personally, uh, I'm proud of that. You know, I think you contradicted yourself. You said you work effortlessly, but actually you work hard, which is not I work hard and make it look effortless. I have not even had my first cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so we're, I, it, we're recording I, this at two in the morning for anybody that wants to know. So can we cut that? No. <laughs> so people go, go, that guy's an idiot. Yeah. So I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I've been here 30 years and I mean, uh, my when I talk about it in my show, when I do certain segments, I always say, listen, I've played everywhere that's been, I was there when they built it, 
I was there when they imploded it, and then I was there when they built it back again. You know, so, and I played all of those places. So for me, you know, to look back in my career and say, "Wow, I've I've really done a lot," and to come full circle, especially through the pandemic, I think everybody was affected, especially musicians and people in the entertainment industry. They were really hit hard, but a lot of people like myself, I was blessed to to hit the pause button and really rethink my career and say, listen, if I'm going to come back, I want to come back stronger than ever because people in this town, especially your audiences, only remember your last show, you know? And so it's really important to make sure that every show you do is better than the last because this is a very cutthroat industry. So you have to be on top of your game. Before we get into the current show that you're going to be doing, the whole concept of the big band and people always talk about the economics of putting on a show with a big band. And, you know, there's different definitions of big band. And we'll get into that in just a second. But early on, you had guitar lessons and you started singing as well. That's how it all started for you, right? Yeah, I was pretty, I always knew I was a, destined to do this. You know, I just followed, you know, for me, God puts a, a, something in your pathway and you just say, okay, it's there in front of you. Do you follow that? Or do you veer off or do you you stay in your lane and do what you're supposed to do? And I really was horrible at everything else. I mean, <laughs> um, at, at nine years old, I took lessons. And uh, like every kid, I would lock myself in my room. And my parents were very supportive. My Everybody in my dad's family, the policemen. And um, I was the only person who didn't go into that line of work. And they were very supportive of me. So they bought me the equipment and I would lock myself in my room like every young teenager and pretend to be singing in front of a million people. And at that time, a lot of my influences were, because I was a product of the 70s, I I was born in 60. So, you know, from Elton John to Fleetwood Mac to James Taylor, Barry Manilow. And little did I know, years later, I'd be traveling the world doing the Barry Manilow tribute show. And so, you know, be careful what you wish for, (laughs) I guess, you know, so, but yeah. It's an interesting evolution that's been going on in Las Vegas entertainment. And just the fact that you not only survive, but prosper in it, that's a testament to your hard work, even though it looks effortless, but it's not. When you talked earlier about the voices you were doing, what were some of the, I'm just curious, what were some of the characters you were doing on that show? I literally, this is such a weird thing. My friends had me make prank phone calls when I was a kid. And we used to, as teenagers, like 12, 13, 14, and they'd say, Mark, call up so-and-so and use your old lady voice. I did this great old lady voice. I won't do it because it doesn't sound the same unless I'm calling on a phone, but I would call and people would think it was great. So I started calling the local radio stations, Ira, and do this old lady voice. And then one day, bingo, Jay Thomas was filling in for one of the main people in Boston on Kiss 108, and he heard me. and got on the line and he said, are you a guy or a girl? And I said, I'm a guy. And he said, you know, and I was 27 years old. And at that time I was still singing. I was the host of Chippendales and traveling the five states, um, New England states doing that. And I was kind of being just bogged down. I was tired of it. So I took a chance on going to LA and they paid for everything. And he was quite kind to me and it changed my life. And I learned a lot about myself and moving away from home. You know, I was one of those people where my parents were divorced and it was either I stay and think about what I could have done as opposed to what I've actually done. And so I'm I'm proud of that because I took a chance and it's paid off and it's come full circle. But Vegas is 
been quite an experience for me, to say the least. But before you got to Vegas, you, besides the, the radio show, it was syndicated as well. Did you think you were going to end up in Las Vegas at that point, or is it years later? You know what's really funny, Ira? I would come and visit here in the 70s, and I would see these lounge acts, and I thought, this is great. I would love to do that. I never thought of being a headliner. You know, as a kid, I just came out for the excitement and to gamble and to just hang out. I really wasn't a party goer, but I just was more into the whole entertainment end of it. And as I get older, I realized if I'm going to do this, it's either New York or L.A. And New York was more of a Broadway thing, you know, in my head, whereas the singing was more of Las Vegas entertaining. You can actually be whatever you want to be. And I was I was lucky enough to that lent itself with my personality and who I was to create an environment where I could not only sing, but be who I am as a person on stage and show that side of me with my personality and what I would say, include the audience more than most entertainers. And I think by doing so created a family through the years. And so I've held that thread together through the years with my fans and it's paid off. And so now I have this incredible opportunity of a lifetime at my age, again, of the kind of resurgence of my career, especially after the pandemic. And um, it's a blessing, you know. Jay was a mentor to you in a way in the radio side of things. Was there a mentor for you in Las Vegas when you moved here? No, not really. I, I was, um, like I said, I couldn't get arrested. You know, I first came here. I played everywhere, all the little dives and everything. I really wanted to get on the strip. Um, Martin Rossi, Steve Rossi from Martin Rossi heard me sing. And um, he actually made me a deal to come to Las Vegas. And my first gig was at Bob Stupak's Vegas World. And I sang in the lounge to cassette tapes back then. And that was back in the day. And then at a private party, Bob Stupak actually physically beat me up at a party. And um, I took him to court and I won. And it was the same week that I went and filmed Star Search. And I thought after that, I would never get a job again, because at that time, things were quite different in town, the way pe things were run, the way people ran it. So when this all happened to me, this was my introduction to Vegas. And I thought, well, I'm kind of screwed. Thank God for Star Search. But when I came back, after living down in Orlando and Disney World for a month, I came back to a whole new, everybody wanted a piece of me. Because when you're on national television, it really does change your life. And Star Search at that time was the show to be on. I mean, now, of course, they have the voice and America's got talent and yada, yada. But now, you know, you see all these young people. and really. The people that actually win these shows, I think you're better off not winning. I think you're better off being that second or third person because people expect too much from you. So I've always been that person to stay under the radar and, you know, just stay steady to who I am. So I'm kind of like the most well-known, unknown person in Las Vegas. <laughs> but right now, things have changed. And now I'm a, a commodity and I couldn't be more grateful. It's just, a, like I say, a blessing in disguise. Well, you just told me a story that I was not aware of. I know a lot of the stories in Las Vegas, but I didn't know that you had that altercation with Bob Stupak. Yeah, it was it was quite alarming. I, I thought, Jesus, this is my this is my introduction, my first week in Las Vegas, and it it kind of made me realize that I wasn't going to take shit from anybody. You know, I mean, that's the way I was brought up, 
And I'm a very respectful guy, but I, I, I've always stood my ground. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to let anybody put their hands on me. I'm not going to let anybody talk down to me. And I think I've taught myself that. And I think through my actions, I've created a good reputation with my fellow musicians and my colleagues here because I treat everybody the same way that they, they treat me. And I think that's very important. A lot of people are not doing that. And I think that we need to go back to basics and, and make sure that everybody gets treated with that, that respect, you know? That's a good point. You mentioned earlier, you said Martin and Rossi. I think you meant Alan and Rossi. Is that Steve, Steve, Steve Rossi and Marty Allen? Correct. It was Steve Rossi. Yes. Right. Thank you. No, I, in either case, it was Rossi, but you, I think you said, you said Martin instead of Alan. Oh, Alan. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So Take just, five. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm correcting it for the record, just because I always yeah, like yeah, to do no, that. No, that's great. Thanks. That's <laughs> okay. Again, I, I'm drinking water. I haven't even had my coffee yet. So <laughs> no, I like it. It's authentic. I like it. I mean, listen, I goof on things all the time, so. Oh, my God. I locked my, I put my keys in the refrigerator this morning. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know. So, is that because you want to lock up in cold storage, or? Yeah, you know, that's right. I, oh, yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is like, as as we talk right now, this weather, thunder and lightning and everything like that, you know, it's it's just so strange to have this in Las Vegas. This has been like a ridiculous summer. You know, it is. Just, it is. I you know. know. The weather has been horrible here. But uh, thank God people keep coming out to see us. Thank Lord, you know. So One of the reasons I wanted to have you on was because of the show at the South Point, which is going to be with the big bands. And when you set that up, when you decided, how did you decide on the charts? And are the big bands from the 40s or 40s, 50s, and 60s, et cetera? How did you make that? Because big bands generally went out of fashion, I would say mid-50s, just because of the economics of it all. There's a few that are still around. Clearly, the Count Basie Orchestra does very well these days, but there's not a lot of those big bands. So the fact that you're you're doing a big band show, you had to a think of, well, I've got to have all these musicians, and number two, I have to decide on the charts and the songs. And so, how did that go about? What was your process for that? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people long for the days when Vegas used to be Vegas, and a lot of, especially during the pandemic, a lot of budgets were cut. Live music is a thing of the past. It's either a duo or a single, maybe a trio, because the budget's not there. So when the South Point approached me to be their guest, I mean, I've sold out the Smith Center four times. I mean, I've played event centers here. I've done big shows. You know, I've done 10 pieces. I've done 16. This is 17 pieces, particular project. But I really wanted to make an impression, to come out of the gate and say, listen, if we're going to do this, do it right. You've got one chance. Let's bring back the live music. Let's bring back that feel and that nostalgic thought of the way Vegas was was made because of the entertainment. I mean, we got here because of the entertainment. So the big band stuff is not so much the concept, it's the feel. Because what I'm doing is, is I'm taking, I am taking a few older songs and, and doing what you would expect to do, but I'm also taking songs of let's say the queen that we're doing uh the eagles and uh, we're doing those kind of songs and putting them into big band format so it's a really special show we're really going guns guns out i mean it's it's going to be absolutely one of the biggest projects i've ever done and, and probably the most important one i've done in many many years so it's a combination of some what we think of as big band big band sounds from the 40s some of those tunes, but also what you're doing is taking modern tunes and giving them the big band flavor. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, people, 
the, the people here, they've seen everything. You know, they've seen everybody, everything. And so what you try to do is you try to, when they walk in the door, you know, when that curtain opens up and they see everybody in a tux and they're, they see what, why Vegas is Vegas and why it's maintained its popularity through the years. I'm trying to create that feel again. And I think I've done it. I've done it before. And it was the right thing to do. For me, it was either come out of the gate swinging full steam head or just do another show. So I'm giving this particular everything I have. Anybody that knows, knows I don't do anything half-assed. And, I'm I'm, and that's probably all performers have to suffer from the same thing. We're all perfectionists. You know, we're all a little bit kooky. We're all a little bit, uh, you know, we have self-doubt about ourselves. But on this project, I am quite sure what I'm doing, and it's the right thing to do. So, Mark, what you're saying to me is when I come to see you then on this big band show at the South Point, I have to wear a tuxedo? No, you can wear shorts and a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> you know, well, it, you know, back in the day, if you, if you look at all the videos and and uh, just make sure it's clean. But if you look at all those videos of yesteryear, you know, you look at everybody was all dressed up and at tux and makes and gowns and everything, and that was just the men. But but the thing is, is um, I think I think everybody wants to just be entertained and go in there and. There are there is two types of entertainers. There's the people that can sing, and there are the people that I can t- entertain. And I've been very fortunate enough to combine the two and create a humor and make everybody feel like they're sitting in their living room and they feel comfortable enough to go out and just let their hair down. So that's the kind of show I'm creating, but with that nostalgic big band feel. And I, I am so proud of this. I have a gentleman by the name of Gary Anderson who wrote all the charts and He's absolutely brilliant, and he's worked with everybody, uh, you name it. He's been with them from Sinatra to Streisand to whoever. So my charts that I have are exceptional, and the band I have, he's using the best of the best. You know, uh, most of the people are from Lady Gaga's orchestra, actually. And so this is uh, something that I I know everybody's going to walk away saying, wow, that was a great experience. You well, know? the other thing, too, is you you obviously have confidence in it because it's for two nights. It's not just one night. Well, they paid me for two. So uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, have to, yeah. I have to do two. Exactly. I mean, I'd like to get the same amount of money for one night, but, you know, I got to do what I got to do. It's a contract. Yeah, yeah. But, no, uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I I think you have thought long and hard. I may be speculating, but based on what you've just said, You've been thinking long and hard about that opening when you come out on stage for the first time. I have the feeling, and you can confirm it or deny it, but the band's going to pick up a big, big number in the very beginning, and you're going to come strutting out on stage, and you're going to be dressed in shorts and a T-shirt. Oh, no, no, no. No, that's you. (laughs) Um, They have a huge overture they're doing, and then... The opening is actually from the, the live at the Sands, Frank Sinatra. I actually have the real charts. So we're going to recreate some of the great nostalgic moments from that period of time. But I was just thinking just now before we did this interview, what I was going to say on Facebook and to my friends about why and how what my feeling is. And I'm going out there with the feeling that I'm doing this not just for me, but for everybody out there who has worked so hard through the years that maybe hasn't got a break and maybe is like me that 
might have that opportunity someday to have a light at the end of the tunnel and, and say, geez, I've done all this through the years and I've had this incredible opportunity. I'm doing it for them to let them know that to never give up hope because dreams come true. And this for me, after the pandemic and all that I've been through, just like everybody else, to have this opportunity is something I want to share with not only in this aspect of music, but let everybody know that there's a glimmer of hope for everybody. We can all do this together, you know? You seem to have that element in your personality that doesn't always appear in a performer, and that is gratitude. Oh, I'd be, I'd be, I, uh, I, you know, I've been through a lot. I've seen a lot. You know, I've, I've had stage four cancer. I was in the hospital for a year and a half. And I look at things much differently every day, you know, um, every, every day is a blessing. The people that I come in contact with, when I feel that from the people and I, I get that energy back from them, um, I think a lot of performers miss the mark on why they're not as popular as they should be. And I think the main reason or thought process is on stage, I try to put myself in the audience and think of what they're thinking, what they want to see, rather than opposed to what I want to do and be selfish and do my kind of music. I think I do this as opposed to look at your audience, know your audience, know your demographics, look at those people and see and, and acknowledge what their feelings are. And I think a lot of people miss the mark on that. I've seen many shows where a lot of people do things for what they think is right for them and it doesn't work. And so I think that's why I've been fortunate enough to to keep that always in mind. And I think if I could give advice to everybody cuz people give it all all the time to me, even my fellow musicians and actors or or entertainers, I think the one thing that you have to realize is you have to be yourself. Just be yourself because that's what got you through your life. When you hit the stage, be yourself. Don't overdo it. Don't overact. Don't try to, to be funny. Just be yourself. And the people are going to acknowledge that because if you open up to your audience and you're vulnerable to your audience, they are very smart. They are not stupid. They're smart people. They've been to many shows. And if you just act like you're just doing the best you can and you put the best out there that you possibly can and you can make a connection with your audience, you've got a hit. And so I've been very fortunate through the years. I've had very, I can't think of many shows that really weren't successful. I mean, I think all of them were in some aspect, but I, that's all on the audience. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm just the guy up there that they come and see. But the audience, those people matter. They're the best in the world, man. I, I, we wouldn't be there without them. As you mentioned, you have a, a good local following and there are people that listen to the show all over the world. If someone hadn't heard of you because they don't live in Las Vegas and are a fan, what would be the thing that you would communicate to them about you? I think you did a very good job of it just a moment ago in talking about being authentic on stage and talking about your background. But for someone who is coming from another city, state, or country, what would you want them to know about Mark O'Toole? Well, I mean, when you go to see somebody that you've never heard of, especially from out of state, I think you're taking a chance. And I think that when you go to see somebody, you have a certain amount of time, an hour and a half, to give the best that you have. 
you're not going to get that 90 minutes back of your life. So you have 90 minutes to impress. And I think, again, it goes back to making sure you understand what the show is about, your content, your material, the music, what you're going to say, make it all relatable to what the audience might expect or not expect. Keep it light, keep it fresh, no politics, no religion, no sex, because you really don't need that. You can entertain without those things. So I think just coming in and word of mouth, because that's so important. So when somebody leaves that theater and they say, wouldn't go back to see that show again, or that was quite entertaining, that was great. I think I'm in that, I'm right now, I'm in that bubble after all these years and I've achieved that and I want to maintain that. So I have to continuously think that way with every show that I do. And so that's what I think of all the time. Of course, you want people to come in that I don't know, and, and I would love that, but how do you get them in there? How, how, it's all about the advertising, and especially with the South Point, when you have somebody who backs you, there's many shows here that are excellent that fall by the wayside because they, the casino or the property doesn't get behind you. And I've been very blessed because the people from the South Point intend to make me a star and intend to help my career. And when you have people like that, that create a family situation and environment, then then it's a win-win situation. So I'm very lucky in regards to that. Before I let you go, future plans for Mark O'Toole? I think it all depends on where the show goes. That's why this show is so important. I think it's going to show people that, you know, people that know me through the years, they say, does the guy still got it? Can he still sing? Can he still entertain? So once they come and see that, and hopefully they walk away with that feeling that, geez, the guy still has it, then I think that it's that it's endless. You know, the, our dreams, what we believe in, and especially, again, the South Point, they have plans for me, and I couldn't be happier to, uh, to oblige by them because to get somebody who believes in you and your project means the whole world to me. So, yeah, I think that, that it's time. It's my time, and I couldn't be luckier. The stars are aligning for me, and... Um, I, I I couldn't be happier and more fortunate, and, and I'm not taking any of it for granted, any of it. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been singer-songwriter Marco Toole, who will be performing his Singing with the Big Band show at the South Point Casino this Friday and Saturday, August 12th and 13th at 7.30. For ticket information, go to southpointcasino.com. And for everything about Marco Toole, go to marcotoolvegas.com, and you can follow him on Facebook and YouTube. Mark, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It has been an extreme pleasure. Thank you for thinking of me, and uh, you're so kind to, for the interview. I appreciate you. Absolutely. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.